This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and as you probably know, I'm a small animal veterinarian and cat lover. So cats are special to me, and cats are special across the board because they're kind of quirky, and sometimes they can be sort of difficult. One of those times is when you have to give them medications. So there are two ways around the cat medicating problem, and one of them is to train your cat to tolerate medications. However, sometimes your cat just gets sick and you haven't planned ahead and and you need to change the medication and not change the cat. So today our guest is Eric Clausen. He's a pharmacist and his specialty is compounding veterinary medications. So we're going to talk with him a little bit about ways that we can make this easier to get cats to want to take their medications. So we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Pets are part of the family. Make sure you can always afford the quality health care they need with Easy Pet Check, a nationwide pet insurance alternative With Easy Pet Check, you'll save up to 75% on all your pet's health care at any licensed veterinarian in the U.S. Easy Pet Check accepts all dogs and cats regardless of pre-existing conditions. Visit EasyPetCheck.com. That's the letters EZPetCheck.com. Taking care of your pet can be easy with Easy Pet Check. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. Today I have Eric Clausen. Hi, Eric. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, we're excited because you have some secrets to medicating cats. And tell us a little bit about yourself. You have a neat job, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, so I'm a pharmacist by training, graduated pharmacy school about 13 years ago. And my in-laws had actually started Golden Gate uh, Veterinary Compounding Pharmacy. Um, and after shortly after school and getting married, I joined the team and have been here since roughly 2008. We specialize in compounding for small animals primarily. Um, so our top customers are cats and dogs. We do do some exotics like bunnies and various birds and reptiles, but Dogs and cats are our bread and butter, Um, so we've been mixing up tasty and and innovative ways to treat our pet friends for almost 20 years now, and I've been involved for about 13 of them. Well, I personally think that veterinary compounding is more fun than regular compounding, but I may not be objective. (laughs) So why do you think that it is important from a pharmacology standpoint that cats get their medications as they are prescribed? Well, you know, the vet is the expert when it comes to um, diagnosing and, and prescribing. And so our goal is always to take what the vet has determined to be the correct dose for a certain patient and then figure out the best way to make sure that that patient gets that dose. Pharmacologically speaking, the 
the medications are going to have certain effects in the body. And if, if we're not able to achieve the dose that the veterinarian has determined is the best for that pet, then they're going to be getting subtherapeutic treatment and um, potentially not getting the full benefit of the medication they're taking. So we're always trying to take what the vet has determined to be the best course of treatment and figuring out the best way for both pet parent and um, in, the, in this case, cat to make sure that they take that medication and are compliant with it. So tell me a little bit about compounding pharmacies. What exactly do you do? Sure. So there is a definitely a, a distinction between compounding, manufacturing, regular pharmacy. When most people think of pharmacy, they think of Walgreens or CVS where the pharmacist is making sure the correct pill is dispensed and, and billing insurance and whatnot. When it comes to compounding, what we're doing is taking what is either already available out there and customizing it to the exact dose or dosage form that the patient needs, or we're taking the pure powder if something's not available and then converting that to a usable form for the patient as well. So we're we're kind of the, I guess the cooks of the industry is a good way to describe it. We're, we're doing a lot of mixing up and, and formulating and searching for dosage forms that are going to be most effective versus, you know, your manufacturers who have certain pill strengths or liquid strengths that they're uh, required to do by the FDA based on the information they submitted to them or a regular pharmacy that's just dispensing pills. We're able to be much more customizable and really target what the patient's going to be effective using and taking. So it's it's kind of chemistry or cooking or however you want to look at it, but it's very customizable and, and unique. Well, I spend a lot of time talking to my clients, um, not so much my, my cat parents, because they certainly understand that their cat is a lot smaller than they are. But a lot of my dog clients think that it is okay to just give a human medication to their dog. And of course, that is most often, unless you have a Mastiff, that is most often a traumatic overdose. So I, I would imagine that is a reason that you guys do the tailoring. But you also have some some other things that I know from having medications compounded for my patients and my pets. You also have some creative flavors and things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so there are a lot of different things that we're able to do. Our, some of our most popular forms are things like flavored liquids, where we're able to mix the medication up in liquid form and then add flavors like tuna or salmon or chicken to the liquid to make it more appealing to the cat um, or dog. Um, one flavor we found that's kind of interesting that seems to appeal to a lot of cats is a flavor called vanilla butternut. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, but almost all of our cat clinics swear by that flavor and use it almost um, exclusively. We're also able to mix up little, basically what's like a flavored treat. So the medication gets mixed with a flavored base. Um, again, we can do it in flavors like tuna, chicken, salmon, beef, and then it gets molded into a tiny little treat that um, can then either be given as a whole treat to the cat or dog or, or cut in half and, and dose adjusted that way. And then another popular one is our transdermal dosage form, which isn't necessarily the, the ideal dosage form for a lot of drugs. But when you have a cat or dog that just refuses to take anything orally, a lot of times a transdermal option, which basically gets rubbed on the inside part of the cat's ear, and the medication is absorbed through the skin, sometimes that can be a good kind of last ditch um, choice when other oral methods won't work. Yes, I've 
definitely resorted to that. So um, <laughs> I had a cat once that had a heart disease uh, very young, like it was pretty unpredictable. And I had to give him three medications twice a day. And if it had not been for having him believe that the medication was something fun and was just like a treat, I couldn't have, I couldn't have managed his disease the way I did. So I certainly think that that is a valuable service. So when you make these treats, do you are you able to ensure that the the drug is continuous throughout the treat so that the pet owner if they need to split it in half they know that the pet is getting half the dose? Yeah, so our mixing process for making the treats is quite intense and it does ensure that the medication gets mixed throughout um, and we do regularly test our products through third-party labs to ensure their potency is um, within the required ranges for various drugs. Um, but yeah, they can definitely be cut in half, cut in quarters, uh, and uh, we're able to ensure that pet gets the um, required dose when doing that. So for all my listeners, that is not the case for every medication. So if you're not getting your medication from Eric and Eric's pharmacy, ask the pharmacist or ask your veterinarian. Some of our medications, actually, um, you might be giving your pet the half that doesn't have the active ingredient in it. So so make sure that you are getting to the bottom of that or, or getting your medications from Eric because he can <laughs> assure that for you. Okay. Well, so um, is there a difference in compounding? for veterinary patients versus human patients? I mean, I know your your pharmacy does exclusively veterinary products, correct? Correct, yep. Yeah, there is, there's definitely some differences. A lot of uh, pharmacies that are out there that focus on human medications will probably do some veterinary compounding as well, but there are plenty of pharmacies out there at this point that do focus solely on vet compounding, and they're usually a good resource for getting your compounded medications. Um, although, you know, your local pharmacist who's doing compounding probably has the, the necessary expertise to do the veterinary medicine as well. But there are definitely some differences. You have to factor in differences in anatomy and physiology between our pets and our human patients. It's going to change transit time of drug in the system. It's going to change how much is absorbed, um, the different Differences in pH in the digestive tract of an animal versus human does have effects as well. So some of the extended release options that are available to humans aren't necessarily going to work in pets because of that. So there's a lot of uh, there's definitely a lot of things to consider when doing veterinary compounding, and there's a lot of good pharmacies out there that that do specialize in it. Okay, so I want to take a quick break, but I have some other questions I want to ask you, and and some of them are not serious, but some of them are serious. So let's take a quick break and come right. Back. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. 
Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. So I have a burning question for Eric, and I'm sure you guys all have the same question. Eric, have you tasted vanilla butternut? <laughs> I have actually, yes. What does it taste like? Is it good? It, yeah, it, I mean, it kind of tastes like a buttery vanilla cream sauce or something. I don't know, it's hard <laughs> to describe, but yes, it does. <laughs> it does taste pretty good. I would never think that a cat would really like that. Of course, we can't ask cats what they like, (laughs) but um, we tend to believe they don't taste sweet. So there must be something else in that that they find appealing. I don't know. I believe you, though. I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all that cats would eat something (laughs) like that. So um, the most important drug for a cat is the one that the veterinarian prescribed and the one that the cat actually got. So I think the point about the, the medication not doing any good unless it actually gets into the cat. Why do you think certain drugs taste bad or smell bad to cats? Is it just the chemistry of the drugs? Yeah, a lot of times it is just the chemistry. Anything that's a hydrochloride salt is going to have a little bit of bitterness to it and kind of that medicine-y smell. So, and that's quite a few drugs that are out there are based as a hydrochloride salt. There are a lot of options when it comes to covering that kind of stuff up, uh, whether it's flavoring or some sort of anti-bitterness masking powder. And um, the different bases that we have available to use do help disguise that a little bit more. But yeah, it's a lot of times it's just simply the chemistry of the drug that, that causes that bitterness or that medicine-y smell. So you talk probably to a lot of veterinarians. Do you think that cats are pickier and harder to medicate than dogs? Absolutely. Cats are by far our toughest customers. <laughs> I've talked to vets in the past who said, if you can't get a, a pill in a dog, you're not trying very hard. <laughs> Obviously, that's not 100% across the board. But when it comes to cats, cats are definitely significantly more picky and trickier to get the medication into. Um, and they present by far present our toughest uh, challenges when it comes to figuring out ways or, uh, to get them to take it. I think sometimes it's Cats are just smarter, maybe less trusting. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I'm obviously not 100% objective, but yeah, my dog would just eat whatever I handed her. She'll <laughs> taste it. And the cat's like, oh, I don't know. You're not eating it. <laughs> I don't know. But um, are there specific kinds of medications that lend themselves to compounding? Um, really, almost any type of medication can be compounded in one way or another. Um, you may not be able to compound you know, certain drugs into every single formulation we have available, but almost every drug lends itself to compounding in one form or another. So I know that I have this come up on occasion. When medications are compounded for my cats and put into flavored things, it can alter how long the shelf life of the drug is. Is that something that you see? Yeah, depending on what formulation you use, you you do affect the the stability of the product. Flavoring itself typically doesn't alter the beyond use state of the product unless it significantly changes the the pH of the suspension, for example. It's really when you when you're looking at uh, altering the uh, beyond use state of something, you're really looking at the suspensions and, and other liquid forms of medication. But there are there are guidelines that we follow uh, from the USP, the United States. 
pharmacopoeia um, when it comes to determining beyond use dates. And there's also many, many, many published studies out there that have looked at the stability of drugs in certain bases. Uh, so we try to reference those whenever we're looking at um, compounding something in liquid form and determining the beyond use date. And we try to follow exactly the formulation that was referenced in that study. So I would encourage all my listeners, if you do have a drug compounded, just read, read the label, um, read the dosing interval and administer it in the way that your veterinarian and your pharmacist had written for you to do so. And then the outcomes will be better. So how does someone go about finding the right veterinary compounding pharmacy? Sure. So um, there are a lot of resources out there when it comes to that. There are different bodies that accredit pharmacies, um, whether it's the National Association of Boards of Pharmacy through their dot pharmacy program or their uh, verified pharmacy program. And there is um, the Pharmacy Compounding Accreditation Board or PCAB which is a part of the, uh, I think it's ACHC. I don't remember exactly what that stands for, unfortunately. But PCAP is a great place to go to find pharmacies that have basically reached out to the organization to come and audit them to ensure that they are complying with the highest standards uh, of the industry. And when a pharmacy has that PCAP stamp of approval, you can almost be certain that they are achieving that high standard and have been uh, accredited by a third party body to do so. So that's PCAB. I believe their website is PCAB.org. You can just go on their site, type in your zip code, and it'll pull up all the PCAB accredited pharmacies around your area. In addition to that, most of the pharmacies that are shipping compounds nationwide at this point are PCAB accredited as, as well. Well, that is very helpful. So how about your particular pharmacy? It's Golden Gate Veterinary Compounding, right? Or does it have a website or is there a way for my listeners to find out more about you? Yeah. So our website is GGVCP. So George, George, Victor, Charlie, Paul, I guess, (laughs) dot pharmacy. So www.ggvcp.pharmacy. So we have been accredited by both dot pharmacy as well as uh, PCAB. And they can go to our site, find out what states we ship to, look at the products we have offering, um, and they can always direct their vet to us if they are interested in getting something. Okay. So back to the fun parts. What other flavors do you have? I know I've spoken with pharmacies about different options and sometimes the cat tells me, you know, my (laughs) owners will say, well, she will not eat any fish or, you know, that kind of thing. But what other kinds of flavors do you have? Yeah, we've got, uh, I think, 30 plus something flavors available. Usually, you know, we're in the the kind of meaty, fishy flavors for the most part. So chicken, beef, bacon, liver, salmon, tuna, fish chowder. Those are probably our top flavors. Um, And we do usually try and go along with something that the cat is known to like. So if their food is chicken based for whatever uh, or whatever the meat may be, then we'll try and mimic that with one of our flavors. And then we also have a whole gamut of kind of sweet or fruity flavors, things like cherry, uh, raspberry, strawberry, molasses, vanilla butternut, obviously. So there's a, there's a whole whole gamut of different flavors available. I'm assuming you haven't tasted fish chowder. <laughs> no. <laughs> But I think I think that a cat would would like that. So um, okay, well that is interesting. So how does that work? Does it come in a, a like a powder that you mix up, or is it in a syrup? Draw a day in the life of Eric for me. 
Sure. So the flavors, most for the most part, they come in very concentrated liquid flavoring where we just add a couple drops to the compound and it imparts the, the smell and sometimes the actual taste of the, the flavor um, throughout the compound. When it comes to our flavored chew treats, we are using a kind of a treat, commercial grade treat base that gets uh, mixed in with the drug. So we we source them all our flavors from FDA registered facilities to ensure they're, you know, food and medicine grade. Um, And they come from uh, some of the top flavoring companies in the country. Well, I, um, it sounds like you are an animal lover or you would not have gone into a veterinary pharmacy, but I'm so glad that you did because getting the medication in a cat can be challenging and not all of my listeners have the time to train their cat. Although I would say train your cat to be medicated and then you have both tools in your arsenal. But yes, the taste and smell of a medication can make your life so much easier. So are there any other valuable things that you can think of that my listeners need to know about a veterinary compounding pharmacy? You definitely want to find a pharmacy that has a good quality assurance program in place um, and you know, often, you know, it's not something you're going to be able to tell visually just by going to the pharmacy and looking at it. So that's where the, this third party accreditation comes into play because you have, then you have somebody that is coming in and validating their quality assurance program. Um, you also want somebody that has like a good laboratory facility um, where they're doing their compounding. You know, you don't want to see somebody just doing the compounding on a counter at the back of the pharmacy, you know, without protections in place for both medicine and, and and personnel. So really it comes down to the facilities and the quality assurance program, both of which are validated by the third party accreditation bodies. But if if you're able to get a tour of the pharmacy to see how they're doing things or, you know, talk to the owner of the pharmacy and just kind of ask them questions about how they how they test or how they ensure the compound is what it says it is, those are some good starting points as well. So have you ever had a cat specifically that wouldn't eat the flavor that you chose? Yeah. So we, it's something we encounter quite often. We also encounter a lot of cats that will eat something for you know, three months and then one day just stop eating it. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we, we do our best to work with the pet owner to find a flavor that will work. So, you know, if we, we try that first one and it doesn't work, you know, we'll try a replacement medication in a new flavor to see if that works or in a new form um, to see what works until we find what is going to be most successful for that cat and that pet parent. You have to let the cat be in charge a little <laughs> bit. I mean, that, that's just how it is with a cat. It can't be your idea. It's got to be kind of the cat's idea, but we're smart, right? So we figure <laughs> out things like compounding pharmacies and, and um, vanilla butternut <laughs> to try to stay ahead of these cats. Well, it was really, really terrific to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. And I would like to thank my listeners because you are the reason that Nine Lives with Dr. Cat is so much fun and so popular. Also like to thank Mark Winter, who is my perfect producer. And I want my listeners to go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.